0: Open your Bibles to Proverbs, chapter number 14. It doesn't really seem like we ought to be that far along in this study, but that's where we're at. And uh, unless I'm mistaken, we got down through verse number, verse number 15, and it looks like. Y'all agree with that? <laughs> Anybody else got a little little mark in their Bible? Well, I hope I got the mark in the right place. Just I never get tired of well, I never get tired of the Bible. Period. But I certainly never get tired <coughs> of Proverbs and Psalms that just uh, uh, just so great as to the practical value. Well, verse number 16, a wise man, and though they're few and far between, a wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. Um, You've probably heard some braggart, you know, trying to justify his masculinity or prove his masculinity by saying, you know, I'm not afraid of anything. Well, you know, any, somebody that does that is either very insecure, stupid, or crazy, uh, because there are some things that we have good reason to fear, and it's not natural for us to just, you know, have zero fear. It's a, It's a protective thing that God gave us. Now, I realize the Bible says over and over and over again, fear not, and uh, we've got to take that in the context of what he's talking about. We ought not to sit around and fret and worry about every little thing, but there are certain things in life the Bible teaches us that we ought to fear. Going all the way back to chapter 3 and verse 7, you don't need to turn there, but here's what it says, the fear of the Lord, it says, fear the Lord and depart from evil. In other words, the response to fearing God, that is having a, a reverence for God and a dread of disappointing Him, the natural result of that is that we depart from evil, and this is what he's saying here again in this verse here. So we ought to we ought to fear evil itself <clears throat> because of the uh, the harm that it can do not only to us but to others. The wise person is aware of the harm that it causes, and consequently, he tries his best to avoid it. Y'all gonna to have to bear with me tonight. I was asking for Benadryl earlier, and I <clears throat> I don't know what's going on. I ate some pumpkin seeds. Uh, just before I came here, and by the time I pulled in the parking lot, I, uh, something's going on in my throat, so I, I hate to take time out to mention that, but I don't want to keep apologizing for coughing and what? Oh, no, you, no, no, it's, no, don't, no, don't, no, no, you stay here, that's all right. I, I just want everybody to know what was going on, so, uh, anyway, she's going to go anyway, yeah, you know, she's. <laughs> Notice the the fool, on the other hand, notice what it says, "...rageth and is confident." The wise man feareth, and as a result of that he departs from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. In other words, he's proud and he's stubborn and he is vocal about it. He is raging about it. He's very outspoken and animated and just plunges headlong into danger refusing all of the warnings. Uh, Here's somebody that is overly confident uh, in their own wisdom and in their own strength. You know, to hear them tell it, they've never met a problem they can't solve, never met a man they can't whip, never, you know, seen a job they can't do. And that's the way they look at life. And and so it says, he rageth and he is confident. Now, remember who we're talking about. We're talking about a fool. The person that has the least to brag about, here he is raging and he is confident. He's expressing that confidence to others. And and, and these kind of people, even whenever they see uh, what happens to others they go ahead and think, I'll be the exception to the rule, you know. I know they tried that, and they got hurt, but I won't get hurt, you know. Whenever I was a kid, uh, Mom always uh, used to get on to me because I had this bad habit of jumping off of things. I jumped off of about every house, every building, every barn, every shed, every garage, anywhere in the whole, whole area where we lived there, and there was just something about jumping off of things that... I enjoyed, and, and, uh, of course, you gotta be careful with that, but, you know, at some point in time, you gotta say, now, wait a minute, this is high enough, you know, I, I, don't wanna go any higher than this, but, uh, even, even whenever, I, I can remember one kid that was my best friend at the time, he did something really stupid and got up in a, in a big walnut tree and ended up getting hurt, And but even after watching what happened to him, you know, I was like the fool, raging and confident, you know, and I thought, you know, well, I just had to do it anyway. Well, a lot of people go through life with that kind of an attitude. You know, they look at people that violate the principles of God's Word, those that ignore God's will for their life, and they take one route. They end up getting hurt. Their family falls apart. Everything goes wrong. And these people turn around and do exactly the same thing. You know, I've noticed over the years a lot of times, and I think most of us that are parents, uh, there's, there, you know, something within us that wants to be protective of our children And we know the silly, foolish things that we did. And consequently, we want to keep our kids from making those same mistakes. And so we try to warn them. We tell them the stories about whenever I was a kid, I did this. Not a good idea. Don't ever do that, you know. And what happens? Um, Usually, you know, they end up thinking they've got to try it too. So... Notice the wise man feareth and departeth. He he gets away from it. That's wise advice. Verse seventeen: He that is soon angry, he that is soon angry. Well, I started out the last verse by saying that concerning wise men that they're few and far between. Well, now we're talking about somebody that's soon angry, and I'm telling you what they are everywhere. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. Now, if you just look over across to verse number 29, it says, He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly we'll talk about that later on uh, maybe not tonight but we'll we'll get to it but these are the same two evils that he's speaking of here in verse number 17 the person that is soon angry the person that uh, that is is given to wicked devices and in, in other words he is deliberately plotting and these two things here Uh, are are mentioned together, I think, because they generally go together. Somebody that's quick tempered is foolish. And and as a a result of that, he's going to make his plans and do things in a way that's detrimental to his well-being. And he ends up, it says here, being hated as a result of it. Now, these are two separate sins, but they're mentioned together. Like I said, because they go together, one leads to the other. Uh, I remember reading a commentary years ago, and, uh, and one writer described it as being on the sea of life, and one sin is the gust, and the other sin is the continuance of the storm. Well, that's a good way to look at it. The person that is soon angry... And there are people, I'm sure you know people, that just it doesn't take anything to set them off. I mean, it's just like uh, they're just living on the edge. It's just like they're just waiting for something to offend them. And, uh, and consequently, they end up getting in trouble. And they're described here as being foolish, but a man of wicked devices. So, this is somebody that. Uh, that is plotting to get even. Maybe to get even with the person that is a quick temper, you know, uh, kind of brings visions of the highway, right? Somebody cuts you off and what happens? Well, he ain't going to get by with that. And so you pass him and you cut him off, pull back in there, you know, real quick. And, And then you got this cat and mouse game going on, putting people's lives in jeopardy, all because you lost your temper. And, Bill, I could talk for a long time about bad temper. That was no doubt my worst sin as a young person. If I, I could take the next hour talking about the crazy things I did when I was young, because I totally could not control my temper, and it was that way up until, up until the time I got saved. I've destroyed everything imaginable, done things that was absolutely crazy uh, for no reason other than the fact that I was mad about something, you see. And uh, a lot of times, people literally tear churches apart because they're mad about something, You know, the problem is, and a lot of times if we look around or we think about, you know, our personal situation, we can always find something that will offend us, hurt us, disappoint us in some way or another. Every single one of us can can find something like that. And if we're this kind of a person, soon angry, we're going to find that we're not only miserable all of the time, but we end up... We end up doing great harm and damage to other people, and sometimes even church splits result because somebody couldn 't control their temper. Well, all of this certainly explains why there 's so much tension and conflict in the world uh, because this is this is this is human behavior now verse eighteen the simple remember we 've already talked about this person. Uh, On numerous occasions, the word simple is not being used in reference to somebody that's retarded or, you know, uh, got mental problems. It's talking about somebody usually young, somebody that is inexperienced. And uh, the simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. Now, just like in verse 15, here is a contrast between the simple and the prudent. And the simple person rejects the truth that God makes available and that results in a life of foolishness. You know, people like that. They go from doing one foolish thing to another. And, 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 and so many times we'll see, you know, the bad result, the evil consequences of, you know, what they did. And we'll think to ourselves, you know, I'll bet, I bet they learned their lesson now. And next week, you see them turn right around and do something that is just as foolish as what they were doing. And uh, there are people like that in the world. But notice the prudent are crowned with knowledge. Now, the prudent person is somebody that's given to wisdom, someone seeking knowledge. In other words, they are availing themselves of what God provides, and as a result of that, they become more knowledgeable. I was writing an article today and, and talking about that very thing in regards to we think about the Word of God, and so many people are reluctant to really get into the Bible and study the Bible. And, and the, the whole thing is, if we're not careful, we reach that point in our Christian life Uh, And maybe we are much more mature than, let's say, the average church member, but we reach that place in life that we think, you know, that we have arrived, at least to the extent that we don't need to spend that much time studying the Bible. But the whole thing is, the more you study the Bible, the more you realize that you need to learn more. In other words, the more you realize you don't know it all. And somebody say, you know, you've been preaching almost 50 years now. You know, you really, you've got it all down pat. No, in, in some ways, I think I know less today than I did when I started. Now, I know things today I didn't know when I started. But in the big scheme of things, I am now more aware of the fact that there are things that I do not know, that I cannot understand. And so the prudent person, the person that's given over to pursuing knowledge and wisdom, then they're going to increase in knowledge. That ought to describe each and every one of us, because knowledge knowledge affords us great benefits. And uh, we, we need to... Think about that. The benefits that we derive as a result of gaining knowledge. Remember, the Lord said to the children of Israel in the book of Hosea, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now, I'll grant you, knowledge isn't everything you know, we need more than knowledge because there are a lot of knowledgeable people, you know, that are pretty much worthless because we need to put our knowledge to use. But the fact remains, knowledge is extremely important. A person can't even be saved until they, until they know certain things. You've got to know some things about God before you can become a Christian, so many people try to judge Christianity you know I don't want anything to do with that well of course not you don't know anything about it but the more you study it the more you realize that that is the only solution to man's problems the fact that that a relationship with God is the very thing for which we were created like somebody said God created us with this empty place this void in our life that only God can fill. And so we need to be increasing in knowledge uh, each and every day, growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ is the way Peter put it. And notice he says that they are crowned, With knowledge, in other words, that's something to look upon as a as a a diadem, something to be looked upon as a great benefit, the result of gaining knowledge. Verse nineteen: The evil bow down before the good, and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. Now, wow! You know, whenever we look at that, we we think, "Wait a minute, that's not the way it is, right?" I mean we look at the world today and we think about how bad it is and uh, then we read this verse and we think well it's it's not like that uh, you know well certainly the bible is not wrong no the bible isn't wrong the bible is right but we've got to look at the big picture here and what he's talking about is what will eventually happen eventually Eventually, the evil will bow down before the good. This is another way of saying that eventually that, that good is going to prevail over evil. Notice, and the wicked, they're going to bow down at the gates of the righteous. You know, we look at the world today and we think how, how rotten it is that, that we have created a moral cesspool that we have violated the teachings of God's Word, living in rebellion against God, hurting one another, and so on and so forth. And we, we wonder about the, the, the mess that we live in, and it seems to be that it will never change. And yet, with all of that in mind, the Bible tells us that eventually you and I, as God's people, will rule and reign with Christ. It, it, isn't that something? That we're going to actually rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. So many people think, "Well, boy, uh, if I could just live a hundred years, you know, that that'd be so wonderful." Listen, I've got something a whole lot better than that. Regardless of how long I live, I know, I know that I'm going, to, and every Christian's going to be here on this same earth. So it's not going to get destroyed with, you know, by nuclear warfare. The world's not going to be destroyed until God renovates it. And we're going to rule and reign with Christ on this earth for a thousand years. And we need to keep that in mind, that eventually the good is going to prevail over the evil. The Bible talks about Christ, that He will rule and reign with a rod of iron over the nations of the earth. That's why... I just keep repeating over and over and over again, the best is yet to come. Because in the midst of all of the strife and all of the sin and all of the heartache and the misery, we've got to keep that in mind. We've got to look at the big picture because if we don't, we just get discouraged with everything as it is. And uh, when we look at the big picture, we begin to realize that the Lord's going to see to it that all of that suffering is going to be worthwhile. And that's why I use that phrase, we're in training for reigning. <clears throat> He's getting us ready for that time. Verse, verse number 20 now, "...the poor is hated even of his, of his own neighbor, but the rich have many friends." You know, one of the great things about the Bible is that it tells us the truth. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of like whenever it's describing the heroes of the faith. We think about Abraham and, John, and, and Isaac and Jacob, and we think about Moses and, and Daniel and all, all of these great men of God. And yet it's like one of the old-timey preachers said many years ago, he said, you know, when God paints the picture of a man, He paints him warts and all. In other words, He, he gives us the picture as it really is. And uh, some have suggested this is one reason we know <coughs> that man didn't write the Bible, but rather God is the author of the Bible. Because if a man had been writing the Bible, he certainly, he certainly would not have put all of that negative information about his heroes in the Bible. You know, he'd try to hide that in a corner and just show us the good side of the person. Well, the Bible is true and it deals with issues... Uh, even whenever it is a blow to our ego even when it offends us and notice what he says here the poor is hated even of his own neighbor and uh, now that's not always true thank god for that but more often and not as a general rule this is the way it is in this world the the poor is hated e- even of his own neighbor you know, it doesn't have to be a stranger. It can be somebody that nearby, somebody that knows the person. And because he is poor, he is hated in the sense that they show no love, no respect for him. But notice this: the rich have many friends. I got to tell you, it's so sickening to see people exalt people who are immoral just because they have money, and they show contempt for godly people. Just because they're poor, and I'm, listen to me, it happens in churches, it happens in businesses, it happens everywhere. Somebody that is poor, maybe they don't have a, maybe they don't have a good education, you know. It might be someone that uh, uh, their grammar is kind of like mine, not all that it ought to be. They mispronounce their words and so forth, and. Uh, and it might even be somebody that we think is just maybe a little bit touched. They're, they're just not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And somewhere or another, we got it in our mind that that makes us better than they are, and we look down our nose at them, and somebody else comes along, and they might be as immoral as an alley cat. And, and, and yet we turn around because maybe whether it's their money or because of their position or whatever it is, and it's like we nearly bow down at their feet. And so it's a sad indictment against those of us that call ourselves Christians when we put one person upon a pedestal and the other person, you know, we look at him like he's down in the gutter, he's not good for anything. And we Listen, we've got a guard against that as Christians in the church. And, and, and one of the reasons that we... You know, we don't refer to those that are visiting as visitors but as guests because we want them to know that we feel it is an honor that they've chosen to come and to be here and to worship with us. We don't want them to in any wise feel like they are inferior because they're not inferior and we're certainly not any better than they are. Now verse 21, "...he that despiseth his neighbor..." "...sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he." Well, I don't need to tell you that this verse must be taken in connection with what he's just said, right? So these verses are connected. It's obvious he's talking about the same thing here. The person that despises their neighbor, notice, in doing so, it says, "...they sin." So in despising or shunning the person because they're poor, this shows us exactly how serious this matter is to God because God says that in doing so, he sins. In in other words, it's it's a violation against God himself. And, And so regardless of what the nature of the sin is, the very fact that it is sin makes it awful and terrible. Sometimes we preach about, oh, I tell you, if you only knew the ungodly, awful, terrible, horrible sin they committed. Let me tell you, any sin they commits that way. You don't have to slit someone's throat or rob a bank or do something like that for it to be a horrible sin. You know, it can be gossip. It can be slander. It can be lying. It can be any number of things. And here, the one thing is the fact that we would despise other people simply because of the fact that, well, they're not quite up to the standard to where they, in our mind, deserve respect. But, he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. He that hath mercy on the poor. That word mercy is an interesting word. A lot of times we think about, you know, mercy and just... uh, withholding what somebody deserves, you know. Like, you know, maybe they, because of what they did, we feel like they deserve to be punched in the nose or whatever. And so we're going to be merciful. We're going to let them off of the hook and what have you. But the word merciful indicates kindness on our part. And so when he says here, whenever we have mercy on the poor... That is when we show kindness toward the poor. And, and by the way, we can do that in a lot of different ways. And, and the, the result of that is what? Happy. Happy is the person that does that. Uh, if we took a vote tonight and I asked, okay, how many of you want to be happy? Every single person here would say, yeah, I'll vote for that. I want to be happy. And you know, we, here's the whole thing about it. Is people think they know what will make them happy they 've got a list well you know i would be i 'd be perfectly happy if I could just have good health or i 'd be perfectly happy if I could get this or if I could get that and and, and yet they get those things and they 're never happy now Here is a sure fire recipe for happiness. notice and that is to have mercy on the poor. Whenever, whenever we get busy helping other people, we're not only helping them, we're helping ourselves. And that's why I often say, we're always best to ourselves whenever we're good to others. So there's a double blessing in it. They're blessed, and we, be, we are happy as a result of it. And um, if you still need an incentive to motivate you... To, you know, to, to do this? Well, here it is in the very next verse. <clears throat> do they not err that devise evil? Well, we've been talking about devising evil. You know, the quick-tempered person, they devise evil. But notice, but mercy and truth shall be to them that devise Good. You know, a lot of intelligent people have erred greatly and they've hurt themselves deeply, all because they devise some evil against another person. For whatever reason, you know, and there can be several contributing factors, but for whatever reason, we, we get the idea that if somebody has offended us, that we've got to get back at them. We've got to get even. Let me tell you, you can't ever get even we, we, you know, we think we do. We, we, you know, they hurt me a little bit. I'm going to hurt them a lot. Well, we end up hurting ourselves in the process here. And, um, and, and he says, They do err. It's a big mistake whenever we devise evil against others. But mercy and truth shall be to them that devise Good. Here's that word mercy again, speaking about kindness or goodness. But this time, notice, you know, it's, it's coming back to you. If we have mercy on the poor, he says in verse 21, but notice now he says that mercy and truth shall be to them that devise good. And uh, God is faithful to reward us whenever we're faithful to obey Him. And God never fails. A lot of times we do. But when He gives a promise, we can bank on it because it's going to happen. And whenever He says, you know, that, that, that if, if you show mercy toward those that are poor, I, you know, I, I'm going to be merciful to you. I'm going to bless you. Uh, we can rest assured that's the way it's going to be. A lot of times, you know, we... Uh, in life, we do things and expecting a great reward out of it, and, uh, and and boy, whenever payday comes, whenever the time comes for the reward, we're sadly disappointed. I'll never forget whenever I was a kid, and I hate it when people take advantage of kids, don't you? We had a neighbor that was going to uh, pay me to to dig this pile of dirt. Back then, they'd landscaped. I, You call it landscaping nowadays, but it was just a pile of dirt next to his porch, and he wanted that dirt removed out of there where he could lower it down, make it easier to mow. And uh, he said, I'll give you 50 cents, you know, if you'll you'll dig that out of there. Well, you know, I'm just a little old kid, and I thought, well, this is going to be a cakewalk, you know. I had no idea I was going to work myself nearly to death you know, before I finally, you know, made 50 cents and shoveling all of that dirt, put it in the wheelbarrow, rolled it out there, dumped that dirt, come back, get another load. I about killed myself doing that. And I realized, boy, you know, when it's all said and done, that didn't pay very well, even though 50 cents was a lot of money back then. Uh, but it, it just wasn't worth it. But let me tell you, there will be no regrets in heaven. You mark it down. Whenever you've, when you've made your last sacrifice, when you've given your all, when you've done your best, whenever you have done without so others won't have to do without, whenever you have been faithful to God and you stand at the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of the deeds done in the flesh, there will be no complaints whatsoever. Just to be able to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And and I love that old song that says, It pays to serve Jesus. Well, it sure does. It pays now, and it's going to pay for all of eternity. So what I'm trying to say is, Don't waste your life uh, being motivated by anger and greed and those things that are going to make you miserable. Instead of that, get busy doing those things. It's going to bring a reward that will last for eternity. And uh, show mercy to others, and God says it's going to come right back at you. Well, we're going to wrap it up there tonight. And Lord willing, we'll pick up uh, uh, in the next verse next week and keep on trucking on through this chapter. But I hope that we've said something here tonight that will you know, make, make us all stop and think about uh, uh, the best course of action that we can take and the most wise way that we can invest our life.